More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Third hour of Clay and Buck starts right now. Everybody appreciate you being here with us. The... Border continues to be a, a, an absolute mess. Um, things not quite as bad in terms of the numbers as was uh, expected after Title 42 ended. But as I was saying all along, Clay, Title 42 is something that was only used sometimes in certain cases. There were still 6 million people. It's not like, oh, the border was locked down. What happens when Title 42 goes and now some are making the argument, which I think is is uh, valid, that so many people were coming into the country illegally um, that you effectively didn't have much of a change in the flow because the numbers were were pretty much at a max day to day, which was not necessarily what was thought would happen with Title 42. But all right, l- let's take a check in here on what's going on with the border, according to the um biden white house here's kareen jean-pierre saying there has been a a significant a significant drop in the illegals coming into the country i will remind you that congressional republicans just voted literally they just voted a few weeks ago a month ago for the biggest border security cut in history the biggest cut in history when it came to the default on america act that's what that was part of that act was to cut border security, and that's what they voted on. And meanwhile, what this president has done, he has secured record funding for border security. He has record number of agents and officers securing our border and is implementing policies that have resulted in significant drop in unlawful border crossing since Title 42. That is what the president has done. So that's their version of it. Keep in mind that funding more Border Patrol agents, um, and in this case, funding a lot more processes for allowing people to legally enter the I mean, sorry to illegally enter the country and stay in the country is what the Biden administration is all about. Tom Homan was the uh, ICE director for a while, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement 
under Trump. Here's what he says about the Biden administration's claim. As we speak right now, are, there are over 10,000 illegal aliens entering this country every day. But what this administration has done, they took a, a population of about 6,000. Rather than coming between the ports of entries illegally, they're moving through a port of entry, which you're going to lose in court because that's illegal too. The parole statute is clear. A parole must be on a case-by-case basis depending on the facts that specific case. They're not doing that. In the, in the 20 states of our lawsuit, they will win this. Then this administration, once again, their policy is going to be proven illegal. So this is a wow. shell game. They're lying to the American people. The numbers on board have not slowed down a bit. They are lying. What they're doing, Clay, is they're moving people, as, as Homan said there, from just illegally crossing to going to the ports of entry showing up and then pulling the same I want asylum in your in your country uh, game that they've been doing all, all along the Biden administration effectively making entry easier that seems to be the the primary goal that they have so uh, Ron DeSantis yesterday uh rolled this out ending just look at some of these ending birthright citizenship finish building the southern border wall U.S. forces to Mexico to combat drug cartels and uh, a few other things. Oh, using lethal force on cartel members if they do not stop and they're trying to traffic drugs into the country. He mentioned that as well. What do you think? I love ending birthright citizenship. I, I think it is the single most important thing that we could do. Uh, to curtail much of illegal immigration. To, to me, Buck, you really have to ask yourself, okay, why does illegal immigration exist? Number one, it's because people can have a better quality of life, even as non-citizens, working in the United States than they can in most countries around the world. So there is always going to be an economic draw to get illegal immigrants here because there are jobs that illegal immigrants can do, and those jobs, even if they aren't great jobs, pay far more than the jobs that people could do in other countries. So that is a hard incentive to eliminate, right? Because it actually reflects the dynamic uh, success of capitalism in this country, which creates so many jobs that, frankly, a lot of Americans don't do them. What are their, right now, open buck, 10 million jobs or something in America that people could fill that jobs are hiring for in theory okay so that's a hard uh issue to address because basically the jobs act as a magnet to draw people who want to work hard to this country the second one though is something that must occur we have to end birthright citizenship in this country and there are a lot of people that haven't looked at this buck but there are two different types of citizenship one is uh birthright by blood right that is, if you are the son or daughter of a citizen, then you should be a citizen. I think everybody understands and agrees with that. But the second one, birthright by soil. If you are born on United States soil, even if your parents are here illegally, you become a citizen. Heck, if your parents are Chinese and they decide that they want to, uh, they're wealthy enough to be able to travel here you can become an American citizen and then go back to China and you never actually lived in this country at all. We have to end it. And, right. Buck, do you know why this even exists? Do you know why birthright by soil citizenship even exists? Well, I know that historically, the, uh, the, the courts have never addressed directly the issue. Um, so, But do you know why historically it even became a thing? I went and did all the research on this because I was fascinated by it. Tell us. 
Uh, it the, the reason was during the colonization period. Because if you were, let's say, from Spain and you went to the New World, there was a concern that your kids would not have Spanish citizenship. So they tried to encourage the colonization of North and South America by allowing you to be a citizen even if your kids were born in you know, Brazil back in the day, you would, in theory, I think I'm correct, still be Portuguese. And now, obviously, all these countries have independence, so it doesn't make sense. In fact, I believe I'm correct of this. Of the group of seven nations, the seven biggest economies in the world, um, I think only Canada and the United States have birthright by soil citizenship. Doesn't exist in Japan, doesn't exist in most of Europe, doesn't exist certainly in China, this is an anachronism, and it shouldn't exist, and almost no one even talks about it. I love the fact that this is a topic. The reason that it has to be dealt with is because otherwise, to your point about uh, particularly Chinese birth tourism, uh, which is prosecutable. It is a They do sometimes go after these birth hotels that are specifically set up so that Chinese nationals can come to this country, have a child here, go to a U.S. hospital, taxpayer expense, have the baby, yep. and then... 18 years later, they can say, oh, I want to go to UCLA. I'm an American citizen. Yeah, And that's the game. That's what they do. That's not the way our society is supposed to work. That's not the way that we think of, uh, of immigration and, you know, the, the, um, processes by which people become attached to, to the nation state, to their, uh, to their polity, if you will. But Ron DeSantis said this stuff. Interesting that a lot of people are pointing out, well, hold on. It sounds a lot like what Trump said. Back in 2016, and Ron was yep. at the border, and he brought this part up too. Play it. I was shocked when they were telling me that Obama's first four years had more deportations than Trump's term, which is incredible that that would be the case. And so that never came to fruition. Obviously, you know, you did have some wall built, but not nearly enough in terms of that. And I don't think they even started doing it, you know, for a number of years going forward. So I think a lot of the things he's saying, you know, I agree with. But I also think those are the same things that were said back in 2016. And here's the thing. We're not getting a mulligan on this one, okay? We either win the election or this is never going to be fixed. And then once you get in there, you either fix it. Because if you don't fix it this time, you know, I don't think it's ever going to get done. And a few a few points here. With more and more illegals coming into the country, the chance of dealing with illegal immigration in a way that isn't just mass amnesty gets smaller and smaller. So this isn't a situation where the clock, if you will, is on the side of, of sovereignty. Four more years of Biden would make the likelihood of a mass amnesty much, much higher. And even Republicans will just start to say, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's 25 million. What are we going to do? We're going to just have to um, let everybody stay who came to the country illegally. But it's interesting to see as well. I'm hearing Trump uh, pro Trump people at the I don't even like that term. Trump voters in the primary say he's just copying Trump. DeSantis people in the primary are saying, yeah, but DeSantis will actually do it. We'll see if that actually catches on. Trump's uh, uh, policies were oftentimes very much correct. It seems to me what DeSantis is trying to argue is he's a more competent version of Trump. Remains to be seen, right? But the DeSantis selling point is... It's it's an interesting uh, needle to 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 kind of or to thread here, right? Because you don't want to alienate Trump supporters if you are running to be president of the United States in the Republican primary. 
So you can endorse Trump policies and then just try to argue, hey, but unlike Trump, I'll be more efficient in implementing many of the policies. Because I do think 98% of the people that are listening to us right now, that's a random number that I just made up, but I'd say it's about right, agree with almost all of Trump policies. I think it's very hard to attack Trump on policy. Because I think he gets to the right conclusion most of the time. Where I think you can attack Trump is he's a bull in a china shop getting there. So people like Trump results. They don't necessarily like the process by which Trump gets there. And I think oftentimes, Buck, where Trump opens himself up to attack is not his final result. It's that he's, again, the bull in the china shop breaking things left and right, which don't actually directly relate to where he's getting to. Does that make sense? I, I think that I think 98% of our listeners would agree with that. And some people would say, well, it's necessary for him to be the bull in the China shop because so much is broken in America. You've got to move fast, and sometimes you're going to break things. And I understand that argument too, but it seems to me that DeSantis is trying to thread the needle of arguing many of the policies are correct, I will actually do a better job, however, implementing policies. He's the process guy. Here's one other part of the conversation from yesterday that I thought was interesting that was new, which is to create a framework for allowing states to deport people themselves, which would mean that Texas and Arizona and Florida and wherever um, could be right. What we have right now is really the the almost the nullification of immigration law by all the sanctuary jurisdictions across the country they will not work with federal law enforcement in a lot of states in a lot of places california will not help immigration and customs enforcement at all right state state law enforcement um and if anything they'll stand in the way here ron DeSantis is saying this is from yesterday we gotta let states that want to like texas uh deport people who are there illegally If the federal government won't do its job, the states should be permitted to send people back. That is what you need to do. Basically, they say, you know, states can't intrude on the federal government's prerogative to enforce immigration because immigration is a federal issue. But if the feds have the responsibility to do immigration and they decide to just not do it, then are we just helpless and we don't have the laws enforced at all? And so I think the states have a role to play. I can tell you as president, we are going to fully deputize all state and local governments to be able to enforce immigration law. You will be able to have that authority. Federal law enforcement saying, hey, state law enforcement could use the hand. What you need there is a Republican administration that's willing to do that from the top down. So It is interesting, Buck, that you can put guys on buses and planes and take them to other parts of the United States, right? Texas sending people to Chicago, New York City, D.C., but you're not allowed to actually send them out of the country. Isn't it? Just to kind of think about, like, the state has the authority to move within the states, but you couldn't put them on a, a plane and send them back? I, I think that's a really inter- I'm not sure it's constitutional, But I think it's a really interesting argument by DeSantis. Our friend Dutch Mendenhall, the CEO of Rad Diversified and the founder of The Rad, is now the author of a new book, Money Shackles. What are money shackles? Well, these shackles represent the financial hamstrings that Americans have fought with. Go to school, get in debt. Buy a car, get in debt. 
Dutch believes it's the wrong thoughts and the wrong teachings. In this book, he'll give you strategies that he uses with debt to your advantage and tapping into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial challenge in American history and look beyond Wall Street and see the future of alternative investments. It's no longer just available to the super rich as an approach. The old American dream is dying fast. Get ready for the redefined American dream with money shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's therad, T-H-E-R-A-D.com. Break free from your money shackles. Visit therad.com. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, they have a report out saying that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. They have released this report that he was left unchecked basically for eight hours from around 10.30, I think, in the evening until they found him dead reportedly at 6.40 a.m., I believe is the uh, the rough time stamps there. Do you think Epstein committed suicide by himself? 
I I think that there is a chance that he was allowed to commit suicide if you uh, if you catch what I'm because yeah well, let's start with this the Manhattan correctional facility where he was the MCC had never had a suicide before never once and they have held like cartel bosses there and you know yeah you know, the the worst of the worst have been held in this federal facility in Lower Manhattan never. And the guy who, more than anyone else, it would seem would have the ability to destroy some of the most powerful people on the planet, those that he was blackmailing and and had uh, in some way, you know, either entrapped or videotaped or whatever, doing illicit things with uh, uh, of, a, of a sexual nature. Um, it's hard. What, what do you think? I mean, I, I feel like. They're asking you to believe a lot to believe this is the first time that this ever happened when it was this guy. And then there's all the other coincidences that pile up. I talked about the FBI leaving the tapes. This is after Epstein died, leaving the tapes. Oh, we can't take those. And then they have to come back a few days later. The tapes aren't there. This is at his Manhattan house. Um, and they have to say, hey, can you bring the tapes back? Like, really, guys? You know what I mean? I think they killed him. Wow, you're just I going do. for it. I, I do. I just, I, I mean, nothing in the Epstein case makes sense, Buck. It doesn't make sense that the only person to get prosecuted in the whole Epstein thing is Jelaine Maxwell or whatever, yeah. you know, like his pimp, as they called her. All of the relationships that he had, all of the evidence that he had, the weird, you know, he's got a painting of Bill Clinton in high heels in his, I mean, there's a lot of really weird stories out there. I, I just don't believe the black book never comes out uh, so, again. I mean, I think that there were, a, I think there's been a lot of cover up of Jeffrey Epstein, no question about it. And I think that there's been complicity on the part of law enforcement, no question about it. When you say, did, you know, did they turn a blind eye to him knowing that it was time to off himself? That I can definitely see. Did someone sneak in there when the cameras were out, which they were, and do it? Maybe. I think so. I think so. That's a pretty terrifying thought. Well, no doubt. It is a mess to think about. But you know what's not a mess? Our friends at MyPillow. They have got unbelievable offers right now getting you hooked up with the best products out there. Take advantage of their offers while you can because, my goodness, it is absolutely phenomenal. Right now, they've got the My Slippers. You know, usually they cost. 150 bucks right now they're on sale for 25 dollars my wife wears these things everywhere she's studying for the bar exam right now she's got them on she's going to bed she's got them on she's going to run chasing the boys around the house she's got them on 25 dollars. go to mypillow.com click on the radio listener special code clay and buck right in there 25 dollars. you'll love them buy them today clay travis and buck sexton on the front lines of truth. Congressman Wesley Hunt with us now of Texas. Uh, after graduating from West Point, Congressman Hunt spent eight years in the Army as an aviation branch officer and AH-64D Apache Longbow helicopter pilot. Congressman, first time on the show. Welcome. Oh, my gosh. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And again, I really thank you all for having me on. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your service. You know, we've been talking a lot about the Hunter Biden situation, and I, I think you've been pretty vocal from what I understand about 
the double standard and the special treatment. Uh, tell us where you come down on all this. Well, well, where I come down on this is very simple. It, we, I've been talking weeks and weeks and weeks about there being a clear two-tier justice system. And I've been saying this every single week. I cannot imagine the reaction this country would have and the reaction people would have if this were Donald John Trump Jr. behaving in this way. The one thing that really strikes me as being interesting is you have Hunter Biden that gets a sweetheart deal because of tax evasion and because of clear gun charges. And this is happening to black people and has been happening to black people across America for decades. Now, the Democrat Party claims that they are the party of the minority, that they are the party of black people. They claim that they that they hate white privilege and all this stuff. But yet when it is a white Democrat who clearly has privilege because he is the son of a president, then you hear crickets when he does the exact same infractions. And that hypocrisy, that two-tiered system, really has me fired up. I'm calling it out, and I am sick of seeing it. And when I was on just uh, on a uh, judiciary uh, a hearing just last week, you know, I talked about this in depth. And and the hypocrisy that we're seeing, the American public is seeing it as well. And we're, we're flat out just like fed up with it. We're talking right now with Congressman Wesley Hunt of Texas. What do you think should happen? You're right. There's clear two tiers of justice. Uh, Hunter Biden is getting a sweetheart deal. What should Congress do? Should there be an impeachment of Merrick Garland, of Joe Biden? How should, in your mind, this injustice be rectified? I, I, yes to all of the above. And, and I think some of these issues are going to be coming up through, through our committee on the Judiciary Committee in the not-so-distant future. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I do not want to impeach Biden. I don't think that's politically expedient. Look at this weak president. This is the worst polling president we've seen in modern history. He clearly does not have the cognitive ability to do his job. He is falling downstairs. He is shaking hands with air. He is clearly in the early stages of dementia. I want to run against this guy in 2024. That's exactly the matchup that I want to see. President Trump versus feeble Joe Biden. However, they are leaving us with no choice. This is one of the most corrupt families that we have seen in American history. And I think impeachment absolutely has to be on the table. When you talk about funneling $10 million through your son, to yourself, $10 million, that's real money. $10 million is like $9 million more than $1 million. That's a lot of money. We need to know where that money came from. We need to know why it was given to your son. We need to know who the big guy is. And by the way, these are all rhetorical questions. We know all these answers. But the sitting president should absolutely be impeached for these types of infractions, and especially considering that there was a witch hunt against President Trump for four years for way less. We're speaking to Texas Congressman uh, Wesley Hunt. And uh, Congressman, it's funny, you started out saying, I don't want to impeach Biden, and then you went to explain, but we have to, right? I mean, that's, just to be right. clear, you think that that's where the, where right. the Congress, I'm, yeah, that's where the Congress should go. Do you think that Speaker McCarthy is willing to go forward with it, and does he have the votes, if he does? Well, this is a discussion that we're going to be having over the course of the next few months. And again, just, 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 just to reiterate, I don't want to impeach him for political reasons. I think this is a lame president. This is one of the worst presidents we have seen in modern history. And this is the guy that I run and run against. 
But that does not mean that we shouldn't do the duty of the American people. I think that the American public wants us to impeach him. Will Kevin McCarthy have the votes? That's a good question. We have to let this whole thing play out, and that's why we have the process. The process of doing so usually coming up through the Judiciary Committee, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Congressman, you're a black Republican. I'm sure you get tired of being referred to as a black Republican. White guys, like Buck and I, can be Democrats or Republicans. Nobody ever really uses the race to define what we believe politically. What has to happen for the black community, the same thing to occur with the white community, where there is a total openness to political belief regardless of the color of your skin, and do you see that changing, or when you see attacks like Barack Obama, I'm sure you saw, came after Tim Scott. We had Tim Scott on to talk about it. Even Joy Behar tried to say what a black guy could or could not believe. What do you see out there? Are you optimistic? Are things changing? How does that change occur? People like me have got to continue to speak up and talk about the hypocrisy from the left and talk about how our party is the party of a meritocracy. Let me tell you about my district, Congressional District 38 in Houston, Texas. It's a white majority district. It's a district that President Trump would have won by 23 points. In the last primary, I ran against nine white guys and beat them all by 30 points. In the general election, I ran against a white Democrat and beat him by 30 points. And do you know why? Because I was the most qualified person. And when I hear Democrats talk all day about DNI and diversity, this and diversity, that, the first thing they should be talking about is who is the most qualified person. I think we can get around this because when you're looking at what, what Joe Biden claims to be the most diverse cabinet we've seen in American history, they're also the most failed cabinet in U.S. history. And we're getting to the point to where in this country, do we want a meritocracy moving forward in the future or do we not? Sir, I got here because I'm a West Point graduate. I earned three master's degrees and four years from Cornell University. I'm an Apache helicopter pilot. I serve my country in combat. And that's why the people of Houston picked me to be their congressman. They could care less about the way I look. And I love the way how you started this. You're right. I don't like talking about race that much because, quite frankly, I'm an American first. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a veteran. I'm a West Point graduate. I'm a congressman. We can keep going and going. And by the time I get the black guy, I run out of fingers. But what we must do is continue to talk about why we have qualified people of color on our side that can be good leaders for the future and how we pick the best people based on their merit, not based on the way they look. And, uh, Congressman, uh, we wanted to ask you also, I know that you're uh, interested in, uh, as we go into the uh, Independence Day weekend coming up, just the concept of American pride. Yes. So you could imagine somebody like me loves this country. This is the greatest country in the world. I'm a West Point graduate. My brother is a West Point graduate. My sister is a West Point graduate. My dad's a retired colonel in the Army. My dad taught us in this country you could be whatever you want. In America, if you have hard work, grit, determination, and, yeah, you're going to have some tough times, but America is the greatest place in the world. So if we have a month, like Black History Month, that I don't mind celebrating, hell, I'm a black guy. But that, that, that adheres to only 13% of the population. If we just had Pride Month last week, that's less than 7% of the population that, that, that that's about. If, 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 we, if we have a Women's Month in March, which is half our population, you know what? How about we have a month? celebrating america that's everybody in this country let's celebrate our progress 
Let's celebrate how far we've come. And while we're not perfect, this is still the greatest country in the world, and we should be in the business of teaching our children why that's the case so we can build on this progress moving forward. If we can give a month to all these other causes, I don't understand why we can't give a month to Old Glory. And I want to see Bud Light, and I want to see Target, and I want to see all these other woke corporations wave Old Glory in the same way they're waving the gay pride flag. And I want to know, how patriotic are you? Do you really believe in America? Do you believe in patriotism? And if you're not, we're going to expose you. Love it. Congressman, appreciate you being with us here. Thank you for joining us on the program. Anytime. Thank you all very much. God bless you. The Talented Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes like Marine Corps Corporal Seth Rasmussen. Seth was one of five Marines killed in a training accident when his Osprey aircraft crashed in California. He was just 21 years old. Seth is survived by his wife and high school sweetheart Avery and their infant son. Talented Towers reached out to Avery within days of Seth's death to tell her she would receive a mortgage-free home. Avery didn't have to worry about where she and her son were going to live or how she would pay for it because of the financial security and support provided by Tunnel the Towers. Tunnel the Towers has helped over 1,000 military and first responder families navigate the worst of times by removing the burden of a mortgage payment. Support our nation's heroes and their families. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media. Spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV 
all things popular culture. culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, closing up the Tuesday edition of the program. Encourage all of you out there, download the iHeartRadio app. You can take this show anywhere uh, and make sure that you don't miss a single moment. And uh, we'd also encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. And you can keep up with everything having to do with the show by following the at Clay and Buck social uh, channels everywhere, basically, that you could be on social media. Clay and Buck is, whether it's YouTube, Rumble, Instagram, Twitter. Go find us there, and you will be glad that you did. Um, Really interesting conversation, I thought, there with Congressman uh, from Texas, uh, Wesley Heard, as we were just breaking down everything with him. And it raises the larger question, right, which I think is a fascinating one, of to what degree, Buck, do you think the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden got is cutting through, uh, that's Wesley Hunt, by the way, cutting through the overall uh, treatment of the uh, uh, of the criminal justice system in general. Is this something that if you are a casual person out there that you are noting this sweetheart deal? Or do you think most people aren't paying attention at all to what's going on with the Hunter Biden mess? Because this ties in with how I think Congress should respond. I don't think it really... I, I hate saying this. It reminds me of being the guy. I was the annoying guy saying Benghazi hearings are going nowhere. And everyone's like, no, I've seen Trey Gowdy. He's pounding. He's like, I'm going to get the answers. Like he's pounding the table. Yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because Obama's president and nothing's going to happen. Right. So do I think that the Hunter Biden thing is going to move the needle notably with the American people? Honestly, no, because of all the noise about Trump and everything else. I here's what I here's what I would say. If we think that the that the Biden corruption issue is going to deliver us the election, we are mistaken. That's my that's I'd be willing to say that, right? As gross as it is, because all the Democrats completely exclude it's like being excluded from evidence in court, right? They're like we don't yeah. care. Trump is, you know, worse than Hitler and he's being indicted, you know, a million times and he's going to go to prison for the next 300 years. And that's all they care about. And then so it's really persuadable. Like, do you think a single Democrat who voted for Biden the last time around was like, well, now that I know that Hunter got all this money? No, I don't think so. To independents, this is, you know, we're, we're in a primary. So we're focused very much on what the two sides think, the people that are standing in the middle. That one or two percent of voter, one percent of voters that are going to determine probably who the next president is. It's going to be how it makes them feel to cast that vote, depending on how the economy is doing and what you know. It's just so hard to to get ahead of it. But like, should this be the end for the Biden regime? Yes. Will it be? Absolutely not. It will not be the end. I again, I said yesterday, I don't think he's going to end up running. We'll see if uh, if I am correct on that, but. I would say this is why primetime hearings have to happen. This is why uh, we need to have 
an impeachment. I think of both Attorney General Merrick Garland and also of uh, uh, Joe Biden. And then we need to have primetime hearings. Because, Buck, as much as I hate to admit that it worked, I think the primetime hearings on January 6th motivated enough middle-of-the-road voters that we forestalled the full red wave. Now, we got a red wave in Florida. We got a red wave to a large extent in New York, but didn't spread everywhere. And I think that was for two reasons. One, abortion, which I think Republicans are going to have to get better talking about. And the other one was that lingering January 6th attack against democracy. You and me and most of our listeners out there agree that this has been wildly overhyped and that everything that they've tried to do to brand January 6th uh, as a, a, the worst thing to happen to the country. I mean, since the Civil War, that's not even hyperbole. That's what Joe Biden himself has said. And that's what Corinne Jean-Pierre has said. Buck, it worked with enough middle-of-the-road voters. And I think just enough people, and it may only be 100,000 people that really matter, they put on the January 6th hearings. Based on the precedent, they would have to cover the impeachment uh, proceedings, and they would have to cover some of the primetime impeachment proceedings. And I think that could cut through the noise because if you're an MSNBC viewer, if you're a New York Times reader, if you're a CNN viewer, Washington Post, you really are not well informed about anything having to do with the Biden crime family. And I think there are millions of people who would be impacted that simply don't know about these stories. I also think that at, at a time when we're being told that Trump should be uh, on. First of all, they've said he's unfit for a million different things. Yes. Uh, and so it just turns into just more noise. But now they're saying he's unfit. When I say they, you know, Democrats are claiming he's unfit because of his handling of classified documents. How many tens of millions of Democrats voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016? A lot of them. I mean, they won the popular vote. Not that that's what the contest is about, but they didn't care. They didn't care that Hillary Clinton... What Hillary Clinton did was so obviously reckless, and it didn't stop any Democrats, it seemed, from voting for her. At least nobody was willing to come out and say, oh, I can't because of the emails. So now we're all supposed to care so much on our side about the handling of these documents after Trump left office, when he's probably going back into office. Like, that's his mentality. It's just not going to move the needle. Um, do you want to get I, a couple of these calls before? Yeah, we, let's uh, do it. We haven't taken any calls Bob yet today. In Spring Hill, Florida. Bob, you got some thoughts? Hi, guys. Listen to you all the time. Uh, I I actually think we should impeach Joe Biden. It's not going to go through the Senate, but at least it'll be on network news. I love Ron DeSantis. He's a great governor, but he needs to stop criticizing Trump because Trump could have finished the wall if Pelosi had to give him the money. Pelosi hung up the money. Well, he had a majority the first two years in office, though. So who stopped him from doing the wall then? Yeah, but they didn't back him up. The wishy-washy Republicans didn't back him well, up. Well, that's what well, you said, Pelosi. I'm saying, you know, it was Republicans. He had a majority in the House and a majority in the Senate. So if he wasn't going to get it done then, that's what, you know, what Ron is saying is what's different. And that's a fair, I'm asking the question, too. What's different? You know what? I think this goes to the challenge of impeachment. Some people are saying, and we need to have a discussion about this, should we or should we not with Biden and with Merrick Garland? My answer is yes, and I told you because of yeah, the, the politics of this. I'm with you. I think we impeach. Absolutely. Go take it to the mat. But are the votes there to actually impeach? Because then the, the embarrassing mat feels a little thing, rough. Buck, it's not as yeah, good. The embarrassing thing would be to try to impeach Buck. Uh, try to impeach Buck. Right. That would be embarrassing. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. To impeach Biden. And then the Republicans aren't united because there isn't a lot of leeway given the margin. Mm -hmm. 
in the house. One thing we like happens. to say about Clay and Buck is that no matter what, we find ourselves unimpeachable. <laughs> More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 